I'm not asking who is God. I'm asking who do you think God is? Because you know, we all have a picture of God in our minds. And many of our pictures are formed by the way we grew up. And many of us who grew up in a cultural Christian environment have a picture of God and Jesus and the devil based on the children's Bible. And that has more of an impact on your thinking than you may realize. Some follow-up questions to this. So who do you think God is? I also want to ask you, who is God really? And who is really your God? Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast, where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, children, and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online, and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. We are busy with a series called One, Two, Three, Four, I Declare a Thought War. Have any of you told that to people outside the church and had a little moment? Yeah, good. We, our message today is who do you think God is? Who do you think God is? At the beginning of this series, I told you from a quote that your life is heading in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So however your thoughts are wired and working and wherever they are focused, that is where your life's trajectory will be going and keep going unless you change the way you think. So it's important for us to evaluate whether the way we are thinking is in line with God's way of thinking. That's why we're doing this series. We have four scriptures that is our main scriptures for this series. Um, I think I'm only going to do the first and the third today for the sake of time. Colossians 3 verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Sometimes we need to just remind ourselves, I have died in Christ, and I'm alive in Him. I'm going to skip down to 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And we then bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your disobedience is fulfilled. In other words, we as Christians don't let thoughts happen to us. We take hold of them, test them against the Word of God and say, you're not welcome, you are welcome. All right, who do you think God is? There's a reason why I phrased the question that way. I'm not asking who is God. I'm asking who do you 
think God is. Because you know, we all have a picture of God in our minds. And many of our pictures are formed by the way we grew up. And many of us who grew up in a cultural Christian environment have a picture of God and Jesus and the devil based on the children's Bible. And that has, that has had more of an impact on your thinking than you may realize. All right? Some follow-up questions to this. So who do you think God is? I also want to ask you, who is God really? And who is really your God? Who do you think God is? Who is God really? And who is really your God? You see, because if you make up a God that you think is the real God, but you worship that God, then you are worshiping an idol. We'll get into that more just now. When you pray, who are you talking to? Who do you think you're talking to? And when he speaks to you or shows you things, who is that? Who is showing you something or speaking to you? Who is it? Do you speak the... So let me ask you this. Those of you who are married, who's married here today? Okay. So do you speak the same way to your spouse as you speak to a friend or a colleague? No, right? That'll be weird. Do you trust a stranger the same way you trust someone you know well. Unless you go for counseling. And then some people like to tell everything to a stranger. But in general, we don't, right? I want you to imagine if your spouse or someone you know very, very well called you from a strange number and you answered and you would start off with that formal kind of evasive one where you go, where you're thinking, I don't know who's calling right now. I really hope it's not a sales call. <laughs> strange number you're like should I shouldn't I you answer and the voice on the other side is a voice you know how will your tone change how will your approach change you will go from very backing you know kind of being formal and off standish to going warm and intimate right would you agree if any of you ever typed a whatsapp message that was meant for your wife or your girlfriend or your spouse, and you accidentally sent it on a group. <laughs> or maybe to the wrong person. Anyone? Man. And then you're like, oh, no, 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 no. Delete for everyone and hope they don't see it. <laughs> Most of the time, the other person who wrongly received it will know this was not meant for them. Based on what? The wording. The way that you speak. You see what I'm getting at. So the intimacy level and the depth to which you know someone will have a direct impact on how you relate to them and how much you trust them. Would you agree? All right. Just to show this point even further, I want to tell you a few funny stories. Over the years of me doing music for a living, so those that don't know, I used to sing professionally in the English and Afrikaans market, and um, I would come across the weirdest sound people. And 
sometimes it was just funny. Other times it was disastrous. And what happened a few times is that I would come into a new situation. There's a show in a hall. You're booked. You don't know who you're getting <laughs> to do your sound. Because you travel, you get there, you walk into the hall, and it's like, let's hope <laughs> they know what they're doing. And then normally within the first two sentences, I can figure out how this is going to go. So the one time I get to a gig, and I bring, what I did learn by that time is, it's good to bring your own microphone, because you don't want to sing into an SM58 after five people who drink beer have sung into that same microphone. It's disgusting. So you bring your own microphone, and I bring my own in-ear monitors. Those of you who don't know, it's these little things with which I listen to the music, so I don't, so I don't go off-key and I don't follow the music. All right. So I come with my, my mic and my in-ears. The sound guy looks like a pirate. He literally had a parrot on his shoulder and a bandana. <laughs> I was expecting him to say, Arr, matey. <laughs> Are we doing a show today? And I said to him, hey, here's my, my mic and my in-ears. And he looks at it and he goes, what's this then? Uh, it is my mic and my in-ears. In-ears, wow, that's fascinating. What is that? I'm like, this is not going to go well. If I need to explain to a sound guy what my equipment is, it's not going well. The other story that I had that I... This was a classic, man. And I actually can't tell it in its full form because it contains a swear word. But I'll tell the church version. So I get to Lady Smith KZN. I walk into this place. There's a guy doing the sound. And I've heard about him. He's, a, he's had like a name, but not a good name. In, he's infamous, not famous. So I get there and he set up the sound desk right here by the stage. So he's right there at the table. The speakers are kind of like where these ones are, or more to the front. So there's no way he can hear the sound, all right? This is audio basics. You need to be able to listen to what's going on in the room. This was before the days where, like our people, you can take an iPad, go stand at the back and mix, all right? So I know they're in front, but they're not that badly in front. This guy was like right here. And I'm already going like, you won't be able to hear what's going on. How will, the, how will you get a good mix? I said to him, listen, isn't it better to be sort of there in the middle of the hall so you can hear what the people will hear? <laughs> he says to me, without batting an eyelid, he's like, yeah, I was there earlier, you know, but uh, it sounded really crap, so I moved here. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> That's a problem. Like, so I'm sitting here because it sounds better because the speakers are actually blowing past my ears, but the poor people are going to have to listen to that. I was like, what? So I immediately knew this is not going to go well. And it was, it was a bit of a battle. Later in my career, I, I reconnected with a really good sound guy. And he, he knew way more than I did about sound, which is like, I like that. If you know more than me, we can work together. So he trained me and... I, you know, we got to a place where we knew exactly how this should work. And he would even phone ahead and make sure that we get what we ask for. But he could fix almost any dire situation. Some of them, even he couldn't fix. <laughs> but anyway, I don't want to bore you with all these stories. The bottom line is that because of what happened in my life with some sound engineers, 
or sound guys, because some of them are not engineers. Some of them are not even DJs. They're like, I'm guy who built speaker in my garage with Chinese parts. You know, some of them are that. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I lost this, uh, this idea that the average guy doesn't know what he's doing. I, I, didn't, I would, didn't trust them. So I would take someone with me that I trusted to change the situation. But what it also did is that sometimes I would get into a place where the people actually do know what they're doing. But I go in with a, I don't know if they know. So I don't trust from the beginning. And then I see later on, okay, they actually know what they're doing. And then the trust comes. Why am I telling you all of this? It's because, you know, I still need Sozo because of my trauma from all these bad sound experiences. And I'm just venting, for one. Um, but it's we, we can tend to do the same thing with God. Where we don't trust what His Word says because we don't trust Him. And we don't trust Him because we don't know Him. Can you see that? All right. We are all dealing with a war in our minds daily. This is why we are doing this series. But even when the series ends, series ends, this battle will still go on. So we need to lay these foundations because there's a thought war going on in all of our minds every day. Would you agree with that? Have you ever found yourself like going like, I just need some quiet. Like, can this just stop? Some of you who won't, you know, admit it, you hear voices. And the voices are overwhelming. But those are forms of thoughts, right? So thoughts will come, but we are in the process of training ourselves to not just let those thoughts happen to us. You know, let's not be the Christians who say, I couldn't help myself. No, you can. Because if you have, if you know the tools that are available to you and you understand them and you know how to use them, then you won't be unprepared. Does it make sense? I know, guys. I mean, I know this and I still have moments where I let those thoughts take over because I'm, maybe I'm tired or maybe I've just had enough or like yesterday, I, my, my, I reached this point of all my senses were just overwhelmed because I was in a car with my kids for a very long time. And the, and the car's engine was backing up and making a noise. So all that stuff, I reached this point, like, <laughs> and I was like, Lord, help me. I need you to, I need to take all these thoughts captive that's going through my mind right now. So I know, I know it's not easy. I'm not saying these things because I think it's easy. I'm saying these things because it's true. And we need to be equipped because we are not going to be Christians who things just happen to. We are going to make things happen for the kingdom. Amen? All right. And therefore, we have to know what is available to us, and then we actually have to use that. Good? All right. Now, in the series, we asked the question, why do you think you are here? Sorry. Um, first question was, who do you think you are? So he talked about identity. The very first question is, who do you think you are? And we spoke about how it's possible that who you think you are and who God says you are are not the same thing. And to whatever extent that doesn't align, you will be missing the mark of your life. Amen? Then we asked, what does it mean to be transformed? Speaking about Romans 12, where Paul says to us, Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world. In other words, do not do things the same way as the world does them. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your 
All right, so we need a process of renewing our minds. We saw that we first have to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to get to the place where our mind, which is part of our soul, can be renewed. All to get it in line with the renewed spirit that we have when we are born again. That's a quick summary. All right. Then we ask the question, why do you think you are here? Talking about purpose and calling. You can't answer that question if you don't know the answer to who are you. You need to ask, who am I, before you can ask, why am I here? But the same way that you can be off track with the why, uh, with the who, you can be off track with the why. Why does God say you are here versus why you think you are here? All right. And with all three of these questions, we consulted the word of God to see what does he say about who we are, what does it mean to be transformed, and why are we here? But... If you don't trust the source, you won't trust the answers to the questions, and you won't apply it. So, do we trust the source? So, it means I will only believe God, who God says I am, what He says it means to be transformed, and why He says I am here if I trust Him. Then I will believe it. Would you agree? All right. And I will only trust him if I know him. And I will only know him if I've actually met him. And I've read about him. And his true nature and his character has been revealed to me. And if I've accepted that that is indeed who he is. Can you see that? I believe there's a massive gap. For many people who call themselves Christians, between who they think God is and who God actually is. And a lot of it lies in this problem, where we don't know Him, therefore we don't trust Him, therefore we don't believe what the Word says. You see, according to the Bible, each of us has been given a measure of faith. But the question is, where are you putting that measure of faith? Will we put it in God or will we put it in ourselves? And I need to give you a heads up. Believing in yourself is actually believing in the devil. More on that later. So let's look at some possible answers some people might have to the question, who do you think God is? So some people would say, there is no God. They are called atheists. Some people would say, neither God nor anything about him can be known. These are agnostics. Then we have many, many, many religions in the world. You will know some of them. Islam, Judaism, Hinduism, Buddhism. There are, according to one source, there's over 10,000 religions in the world. Another one said over 4,000. It's a lot either way. Amazingly, according to most of the research I did, over 84% of the population of the world says they are Christian. I double-checked it. It's a similar stat to South Africa, where most South Africans say they are Christian. Now, I don't know about you, but do you see a bit of a disconnect? 
84% of about 8 billion people, there's 6.7 billion people on this planet who profess to be Christian. About 1.6 billion of those are Roman Catholic. That leaves another 5-odd billion people that say, I, I know Jesus and I love Him and I live for Him. Or do they? Don't you think the world should look different? If the majority of people are born again, sold out for Jesus, Holy Spirit filled, I don't live for myself, I live for God and other people, Christians, that the world will look different. Shouldn't we have with that percentage more Christians in leadership? So what is wrong with this picture? I believe a big part of it is that we suffer from cultural Christianity syndrome, where people think they are Christians, but they are not. And secondly, people don't know who God is. Here's some possible answers from people who think they are Christians. Maybe even some of us in this room have some of these pictures in our minds. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm just going to challenge a bit of what you may think you know about God. Is that okay? Can I challenge you? Some people would think he's an old gray-haired man with a lightning bolt in his hand waiting for you to mess up. Who thought that when they were little especially? Yeah. That's also a picture of the god Zeus. Some people, because of a very beautiful song with horrible words, think that God is in the distance. From a distance. No, he's not. So we think he's far away. Some things, he created everything, and now he sits back and he kind of watches what happens. He's not involved. Some things, he's impersonal. He's angry. He only judges me. He might be there for others, but he's not there for me. Some believe, especially in the culture I grew up in, God only helps those who help themselves. That is not scripture. Some think he's angry all the time. Some thinks he rejects me, he abandons me, he doesn't care. Some thinks he's not loving because look at all the suffering in the world. Some would say, I, I used to believe in him or in his love and goodness, but other Christians or other Christian leaders, their bad and sinful behavior proved me wrong. So because of what other people did, I don't believe in God and what he says he is. Many Christians believe he is just one God, not three in one. They don't believe in the Trinity. Some would pray to God and not Jesus or the Holy Spirit, or not have a relationship with the three different persons of the Godhead. A lot of people will believe all religions are basically the same, man. All people who are basically good and believe there is a God will go to heaven. We call this universalism. And many Christians are following this way of thinking and even preaching it from pulpits. Some believe God no longer heals. He no longer does signs and wonders through his disciples. It was only for the time of the book of Acts. This is called cessationism. Cessationism, sorry. Because of many pictures we have of Jesus, many people think he is weak, meek, and mild. And just carries a lamb everywhere he goes. And some think that he's blonde and blue-eyed when he was on earth. And he always had a blue sash. And he was kind of floating. 
And it was always, his hair was always did, you know, like they say in America. Others might believe these lies, but for them it's real. He's forgiven others, but he can't forgive me. His love is great for others, but he doesn't love me. His grace is sufficient for others, but not for me. God is love, and therefore he will save everyone. Um, God will let good people go to heaven. So the belief that because God is love, everyone will go to heaven. I won't judge. You know, I can't judge people. Everyone will go to heaven. I'm sure God, you know, because he loves people so much, everyone will go to heaven. If that was true, why did Jesus die on a cross? That would have been the most cruel thing in the world to do to your own son if that was true. Some people have this attitude. You know, God and I, we understand each other. We have an understanding. And we talk about, those same people would say stuff like, he's the man upstairs, the obas or boer. Yo, I get so upset when people speak with such disrespect about God. He's not the old man upstairs. He's not some obali in a room. We'll get into who he is. Some people have that familiarity and lack of respect that borders on the scary things. And some would think, he is the God that I've made up in my mind. I like this picture of him that I've made. That's the God I will worship. All right. So, would you agree that these are some of the answers people have? Did you maybe see some that you were thinking or have thought before? Maybe? All right. I'm sure there's way more options. These are just some of the ideas I want to bring across. So, at this point, we have to look at Exodus 20 verse 3. The first two commandments of the Ten Commandments. It says in Exodus 20 verse 3, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything as in heaven above or that's in the earth beneath or that's in the water under the sea. Or... um, You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the Lord of your name. Sorry, that's the next commandment. That's just part of the same verse. But those first two are the ones I want us to focus on. I want you to know, church, we were designed, we were made for the act of praise and worship. The act of giving glory and honor. And we are made to be reliant upon something or dependent upon something. That's how we were designed. The original design and purpose is to, to use that, to use praise and worship, to give glory and honor, to be reliant upon and dependent upon the living God of the Bible, the one true God. That's what it was meant for. But we have this, and if we don't focus that on Him, we will focus it on something else. If we are not worshiping, praising the God of the Bible, making Him the object of our devotion and adoration, our worship or our focus will default to something else. 
it will shift to a counterfeit. And that is an idol. Atheists actually follow atheism as a religion. They would hate that idea, but it is true. They've made up a God out of not believing there is a God. They created this thing. Can you imagine? I actually think atheists have more faith than Christians. Can you imagine the amount of faith it must take to look at creation, to look at the human eye, to look at any insect under a microscope, and go and decide that the only explanation for this that I see is that something boomed or banged billions of years ago. And by the way, we're not allowed to ask, sorry, what banged? What was that? Something banged? What was that? Who made that? Not allowed to talk about that. Then it rained for millions of years upon some earth and something formed and then it became eventually humans. That takes a lot of faith. I listen to that and I go, wow, I'm so glad I can look at my daughter and I can look at a sunset and just know there's a creator God. I just know. Other religions have created dead, deaf, and mute gods with their hands and formed cultures around them. Still others have created gods in their minds, a construct of their imagination. And they worship that. Even though it's intangible, they have put their focus of their praise and worship on that. This is where it gets sensitive. Some people who call themselves Christians have taken the culture that they live in, which they actually worship. They've made a picture of God that suits them. They've made it a part of their culture And now they worship their culture, saying that part of that is to worship God. And in these churches, you will typically find there's very little life. No talk of the Holy Spirit. A lot of talk about guilt and shame. Very little talk about freedom. Very little talk about signs and wonders, if at all. Many profess to worship the living God, but in actual fact, they are worshiping mammon. The God of money. They are chasing money, chasing fame, chasing what they call happiness, and they are actually serving mammon. And Jesus said very clearly, you cannot serve two masters. You will love the one and hate the other. You can't kind of sort of worship the one and kind of sort of worship the other one. There's very, I don't know of any places in the Bible when it comes to serious matters where there's a middle ground. So, we all need to take care to not fall in the trap of disobeying the first two commandments, especially the second one where it comes to us creating our own idea of who God is, but it's not in line with Scripture. Do you understand? We have to be careful of not creating false gods, but calling it God. Would you agree? All right. That was just my introduction. The point of today's message and question is to make sure that who we think God is, is actually what the Bible says about Him. So, we are going to dive into an amazing journey of the names, character traits, and personality of God. And I want you to not sit back and relax. 
I want you to focus and engage. Because I believe that if you choose right now to hear who God truly is according to the word of God, your life will be changed. Even if you are born again, this will take you to a next level. I was weeping so many times this week as I was reading these scriptures. So I want you to take a moment and let us pray before we do this. I think that would be good. Lord Jesus, we humbly come before you and we ask that you will, that you will just come and help us to focus, to listen to your word, to listen to the beauty of who you are. We choose to engage with the truth of who you really are. We choose right now to lay down every cultural thing that may stand in the way of the truth. We choose to lay down every preconceived idea of who you are. And we ask, Lord, that you will come and show us who you are. And that we will and we choose to align or realign our thoughts about who you are with your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First name of our God, Elohim, the Creator God, sovereign, and has all authority. Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Matthew 5, 33. Again, you have heard that it was said of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oath to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is God's footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. The focus there is the earth is his footstool. Psalm 40, uh, 24 verse 1, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For He has founded it upon the seas and established it on the waters. Psalm 95, For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. And His hands are the, uh, in His hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are His also. The sea is His, for He made it and His hands formed the dry land. How beautiful is that? He is El Roy, the God who sees me. We get that from Genesis 16, verse 13, where God comes and he hears the prayers of Haggai, who had Ishmael, and God says, I see you, I will help you, and make your child a great nation. Then we have El Shaddai. El Shaddai is the Hebrew word for God, meaning the all-sufficient one, God Almighty. We read about it in Genesis 17:1. He is Al Olam, the eternal God, always was, always will be. Gen Genesis 21. He is Yahweh Yireh, or Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who will provide. From Genesis 2, when God provided a ram in the place of his son. He is Adonai, Lord and Master. He's the ruler. We get that from Isaiah 6:3. He is Yahweh, I am. It's the Hebrew name for God, meaning I am, the self-existing one. He was, he is, he will always be. 
Exodus 3 verse 14. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. He is the God of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. What does that mean? It means he's a God of covenant, the God of promise. Exodus 3.15, Moreover, God says to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abram, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. He is Yahweh Rapha or Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Who wants healing? He's the God who heals. And in Exodus 5, it talks about when he, he protected Israel from the diseases in Egypt. Yahweh Nisi or Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Exodus 7.15, a banner was used for the rallying of troops. He is the one who rallies us together. al he is the consuming fire. He is a jealous God. Exodus 34, 14. He is Yahweh Shalom. The Lord is peace. You want peace? He is your peace. Kedosh Israel, Holy One of Israel from Leviticus 19. He is Yahweh Tzuri, meaning the Lord is my rock. The, the word rock represents God's permanence, His protection and His enduring faithfulness from Psalm 18, 2. He is Yahweh Roy, the Lord is my shepherd, from Psalm 23.1. He is El Elyon, God Most High, God Supreme. He deserves all our focus, worship, and praise. He is Yahweh Shammah, the Lord is there. He is present. He is Yahweh Hesed. It means God of forgiveness. He's the one who forgives. He is Yahweh uh Tidkeni, the Lord, our righteousness, Jeremiah 23, 6. He is Ish, the Lord is my husband, from Isaiah 54, 5. Margin, the Lord is my shield, from Psalm 3, verse 3. He is Migdal Oz, the Lord is a strong fortress. Um, Proverbs 18, 10, it says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it, and they are safe. His name is a strong tower. Atik Yomin. He is the ancient of days. Daniel 7 verse 9. I watched till thrones were put in place and the ancient of days was seated. His garment was white as snow and his hair of his head was pure like wool. His throne was a fiery flame. It wheels a burning fire. He is El Sali. The Lord is my, my strength and my rock. From Psalm 18. He is Yatsar, a Hebrew name for God, meaning to fashion or to frame. It means it's, it's where we get the potter from. He's the potter and we are the clay. From Isaiah 64, 8. Can we just take a breath and just think about all these names? And it's not all of them. It's some of them. But I want you to know that everything you may be struggling with, everything you may be going through, everything you may be going, how do I handle this? 
I can almost promise you there's an answer in one of God's names for that thing, which means it's wrapped up in Him, which means it's wrapped up in intimacy with Him. Amen? Let's move on to talking about the Trinity, the triune God, the three in one who is our God. The Bible teaches us He is God the Father, He is God the Son, and He is God Holy Spirit. The three is one. They are three distinct persons, but they are one. They have such beautiful intimacy that they are one, but they are distinct. Amen? From Scripture, we can see this. By no means is this an exhaustive bunch of Scriptures, but I'm already giving you so many, I thought I'll stick to three. Genesis 1.26, then God says, then God said, let us, plural, make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish, and it goes on with that. Ephesians 1.17, that the God of our Lord, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Romans 1, verse 3, concerning His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. There are many more. Let's jump into who is God the Father. He becomes our Father when we are born of Him. When we are born again. We are born of God and thereby fathered by Him. That is how He becomes our Father. That means we belong to Him in a spiritual, legal sense. Don't believe me? Let's read the Scriptures. John 1 verse 12. But to all who believed Him and accepted Him, He gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. In the same two chapters later, Jesus says to Nicodemus, you cannot see or enter the kingdom of God if you are not born again. 1 John 3 verse 9, whoever has been born of God does not sin for his seed remains in him you've heard me speak about the incorruptible seed of God that seed remains in us when we are born again and we cannot sin because he has been born of God in this sense the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest listen to the the contrast and the no middle ground whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God nor is he who does not love his brother. It goes on to say what the children of God do look like. They practice righteousness and they live for God. Matthew 6 verse 9. In this manner therefore pray. Jesus is instructing his disciples on how to pray. How does he start the prayer? Our Father. This is something Jesus introduced to the Jewish people. They did not speak of him as Father. Jesus introduced him as the Father. Romans 8.15, for you do not receive, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. 
by who we cry out, Abba, Papa, Daddy, Father. The Spirit gives us that sense of adoption. And it's a legal thing. Oh, I want to just remind you to please go and listen to when I spoke about how that, uh, it's a long story, I'm not going to, but how Jesus himself was adopted by Joseph. And that's how he got into the line of Judah. Okay, that's a whole amazing thing. All right, 2 Corinthians 6 verse 18. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. 1 Peter 1 verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. What do we get by being children of God? A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled and does not fade away, reserved for us in heaven who are kept by the Power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. That is your father. Yo, I'm going to assume that you're all jumping up on the inside because that's huge. That is the father. And that's just some of the scriptures. We're going to go now to who is the son? Who is God the son? He is Yeshua. Jesus, which means the Savior of His people. He is the Messiah, the promised Deliverer. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the Christ, the Anointed One. He is King. He is King of Kings. He is Lord. He is Lord of Lords. He's the Great High Priest. He's the Lamb of God. He's the Lion of Judah. Can we give Him a praise offering? Thank you, Jesus. Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Have you ever noticed that before? Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace is who he is. John 1 from verse 1 to 5, in the beginning, we read, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1.1. John 1 says what? In the beginning was the Word. Jesus was there. And the Word was God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Come on. Colossians 1 from verse 13. Oh, this is so beautiful. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Listen to who He is. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through and for Him. And He is before all things. And in Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, 
the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell, and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself, by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross. That is your Jesus, and He's done it for you. Can you give Him a praise offering? Come on. That is not all. Jesus makes seven I am statements in the book of John. He says, I am the bread of life in John 6.35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Thank you, Jesus. John 8, 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 10, 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Oh. John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Woo! John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is why there are not multiple ways to God. There is one way. His name is Jesus Christ, the Anointed One. Let no one lie to you about this. This cannot be something that you negotiate with. It has to be firm in your spirit. There is only one way to the Father, and His name is Jesus Christ. He is the way. He is the truth. This is serious. You cannot compromise on this. And his last I am statement, I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. What does that mean? Because you can't do stuff without him. It means that anything you do apart from Him has no eternal value. Is this just overwhelming or are you not getting it? Because I'm so excited. I want to jump out of my skin. Are you with me? All right. Holy Spirit. We're talking about the Trinity. We've spoken about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. First off, He is a person. He is not an it. Many of us think He is it. He is a person with whom you can have a relationship. Amen? 
Some of the Hebrew names, Ruach Elohim, Spirit of God. Ruach Yahweh, Spirit of Yahweh. And Ruach HaKodesh, Holy Spirit. He is the helper, John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Listen again to the Trinity. Jesus is speaking about the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father sends in his name. He will teach you all things. Who's the Holy Spirit? He's my helper and my teacher and will bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Have you ever been in a moment where you like go, oh man, I can't remember what Jesus said about this. Ask Holy Spirit. He will help you. Amen. He can only help you though if you have heard it before. <laughs> if it's scripture or what Jesus said. There are moments where he will lead you in that moment to, to say something new. But I'm talking about things we remember. He is your prayer partner. Romans 8.26, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. This is when we, when we pray in our heavenly language that we receive when we are baptized with the Holy Spirit. When we pray with those utterances, the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf, and He prays the things that we don't even know we need to pray. Amen? He bears fruit, Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these, there's no law. Do these fruit of the Spirit rest upon your life? If it doesn't, dig into your relationship with the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, if you don't know Jesus, don't worry. There'll be time for you to do that today. He dwells in born-again believers. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, I referred to this earlier. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? I repeated this several times last week. I hope that it sank into our spirit beings. We are not our own. We've been bought with a price. And it's a precious thing to be a born-again Christian and host the Holy Ghost. We host the Holy Ghost. He brings freedom. Listen to this. I love the scripture. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17 to 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Come on. That's huge. He is the spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge, and fear of the Lord. Listen to this word from Isaiah about Jesus and what the Holy Spirit coming upon him does. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. That is what the Holy Spirit brings. I know this is a lot, a lot of information, a lot of scripture. The idea is to completely overwhelm you with who God is. Can you take a moment and recognize that who you thought God is may need an adjustment? Can we agree on that? All right. Thank you, baby. 
Has your thought, your thinking about God, has it been broadened? Anyone? Have you been convicted by some thoughts about Him that you realize it's not in line with the Word of God? Anyone been convicted by the way they thought about God? Anyone? Thank you, Jesus. There are many, many, many more scriptures. And what I hope today also did was to make you want to go and read more about who He is. You see, it's so easy for us to get caught up in the world and the busyness of our lives. And we still do that thing where we compartmentalize. You know, God in church, but not in my life, not in my work, not in my family. But we cannot afford to do that. We need to make Him and choose to make Him the Lord of all of our lives. And there's a saying, if He's not Lord of all, He's not Lord at all. I understand what that means. But if you don't choose to make Him the Lord of your life, it doesn't mean He's not Lord. It just means you haven't aligned yourself with the King who rules anyway. He remains Lord of all, whether you choose Him as Lord or not. The question is, do you want to go through this life with the one who created everything and holds everything together through whom you were created? Or do you want to try it on your own, in your own way, with your own ideas and your own thoughts? Maybe you're sitting here and you still have some, you know, arguments ready. You can like, yes, but. No, but you don't understand. No, but this. No, but that. But what about this scripture? What about this translation? And what about, you know, how can a God that is that can allow? Take a moment. Take a breath. Just lay all that stuff down. And say, okay. I lay down my defenses. I lay down my preconceived ideas. Lord, I want to know you for who you really are. Because I have news for you. Your walls and your defenses only keep you in. God is always there, always present. It takes a choice from you to put down the defenses, to push over the wall and to say, okay. Can we do that today? All right. Let's close our eyes. I'm going to let you remain seated for now. Just close your eyes and just maybe open your hands in a posture of receiving from God. Lord, we have been deeply moved, inspired, and challenged by your word about who you are. And truth be told, we realize we can never truly completely fathom, completely understand. Because your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Your ways are higher than our ways. We know that. But Lord, we want to come closer and learn more and go deeper every day. And I thank you for these scriptures. I thank you for these powerful names, powerful characteristics and 
personality traits that you have that we can learn from. God, Father, we recognize you and we love you. God, Jesus Christ, we recognize you and we love you. God, Holy Spirit, we recognize you and we love you. And we acknowledge that you are King and Lord and Master of our lives. And we choose to come into alignment with that today. The Bible says, the Lord, the Lord gives law to the proud and grace to the humble. And I just sense that there may be some of us who's, who's got pride of I think I know better, I think I know the truth, the way I think is right, that may be still standing in the way of you just coming before God with vulnerability. I want to I I challenge you to come before Him humbly, to lay down all pride and think the, thing, the things that you think you know and just choose to humble yourself because on the other side of your humility, there's the grace of God. There's the fullness of what He has for you. So if that's you, just take a moment and say, Lord Jesus, I lay down my pride and I come before you humbly and I accept who you are as God of my life and of this world. If there's anyone here today that realizes I need to give my life to Jesus, I need to become this born again person that has access to being a child of God. If that's you today and you're like, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to make that decision. If that's you, please raise your hand. Just put up a hand and say, yes, I want to make that decision. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? Right about now, you'll be feeling something stirring in the inside of you that you can't explain. Just, just make that decision. The Lord says, if you honor me among men, I will honor you in front of my Father. Just say yes to Jesus today. Anyone? Anyone else? All right. Harvey, will you stand with that man over there? Then I'll just pray with him from here. We can all pray this together. Let's say, Lord Jesus, today I choose to make you Lord of my life. I lay down my will and I choose to do your will. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Make me new. I accept that you are the Son of God, that you died on a cross, rose from the grave and defeated death and that through you I can have eternal life. I believe that. Holy Spirit, fill me, strengthen me, and guide me to live the life that you have called me to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's give the God, God a praise offering for that man. On that note, I do want to give an opportunity for those who know, listen, I feel so convicted. Maybe even you go to the condemnation side, which is not from God. 
but that the guilt and the shame is just taking you so far away from God. I know that feeling very well. I want you to know that what she says is true. And there's, there's a moment here right now for you to come and say, Lord, I want to just choose to follow you wholeheartedly. I have compromised. I've tried to find a middle way, but just come back home. If that's you, would you put up your hands and just say, I want to come home today. I want to recommit my life to Christ. Anyone? Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray together for that. Let's close our eyes and let's focus on there's many hands going up. Yes. All right. We'll all pray together this prayer. Lord Jesus, today I choose to come home, to recommit my life, to be in alignment with you and your will. Forgive me, Lord, of all my sins. Thank you that I can ask you that and know that I am forgiven now, that I am righteous, that I am justified through the blood of Jesus. I accept that. I believe that. And I will live in that truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us reflect and respond as we sing this song, A Thousand Names, one more time as we bring this meeting to a close. Let's stand and let's sing together. Here we go. Let's just give a big shout of praise to our God, the Creator God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We love you, we worship you, we adore you. We choose to love our lives for you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let's just give God a big praise offering. And let's go out into this world and tell them who God really is. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church podcast message of the week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.